The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the NBA Podcast. We actually have a really great episode for you today, even though it's in the middle of August, because, uh, spoiler alert, the NBA never sleeps. So today we will be discussing the huge Kyrie Irving trade that happened Tuesday. We'll also talk about the Pacers filing tampering charges against the Lakers, and a couple guys who have fired their agents in the midst of contract negotiations. Before we get underway, just wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all three of our Twitter handles to give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We would love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter, at FanRag Sports, and for their NBA content, at FanRag NBA. Joining me today, as always, are my two trusty co-hosts, Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. How's it going, you two? It's very late. Yeah. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. <laughs> Mort is a trooper. We are recording this at 6 p.m. Central Time on a Thursday, um, which is 1 a.m. Danish time. So kudos to Mort, and more importantly, kudos to your wife for letting you do this. Yeah, 1.35 a.m. <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> not that you're counting. No, not at all. Not at all. It's good. It's good. My son is going to wake me up at about 6 a.m., which is just a little bit over four hours away. It's going to be great. Yeah, you're on a doctor schedule. It's good. Yeah, but, you know, without being smart. Right. <laughs> and without the doctor's salary. <laughs> Neither and of those and without the doctor's salary. Yeah. yeah. So I can't save people and I'm poor. So, but <laughs> yeah, unlike that, Otherwise, yeah, exactly like a doctor. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Sarah, how are you? You preparing for this big storm? Yes. Yes, very much. Just heard that our our game might be moved up tomorrow, might not be moved up. So it's going to be interesting. Also, I have to buy all of our water. Like you would think we'd just get water delivered to the arena. But no, Sarah, Sarah, sure. Sarah goes to get the water. I am also a delivery person. Oh, no. uh, I go to HEB before oh, every no. game. So, uh, and I can tell you that the H-E-B water shelves are completely bare right now. So <laughs> it's really going to be interesting. Is, oh, boy. 
Well, we're, we're going to keep our fingers crossed that you and everyone in the Texas area stay safe and dry this weekend. Yes, thank you. No problem. Let's just get right into it. So Tuesday, all of a sudden out of the blue, Sham Sharania breaks the news that the Celtics and Cavaliers are in serious talks uh, involving a trade with Kyrie Irving and Isaiah Thomas. Um, it, there was no real sense of like, Timeline was this? Does this happen a month ago and the talks died? And like an hour later, boom, the deal's official. So Kyrie Irving is now a Boston Celtic going to the Cavaliers in exchange for him Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, Ante Zizic, and the Brooklyn Nets 2018 unprotected first round pick. So we'll discuss this deal from both sides. I, let's start with the Celtics because I feel like that's the more controversial of the two. Um, Mort, the big question, did Boston overpay here? Yeah. <laughs> Look, you could have had Jimmy Butler for half. I mean, you go for Kyrie. I, I mean, I, you go for Kyrie Irving. That's who you are throwing all your chips for. Danny Ainge has been hoarding assets for years on end, has been reluctant in giving up just the slightest bit of it, and then he cashes in on Kyrie Irving. <laughs> I mean, that's a little bit disappointing, a little bit underwhelming, which I feel like, you know, the way that the Celtics sort of hyped up their the whole their whole summer, you know, with the Nets pig winning the first pig and then doing some weird ass trades with, you know, with Philly for example. It just seems like this whole summer for Boston was sort of like, yeah, you got significantly better, but hmm, still a lot of potential left on the table. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I would term both trades they made this summer as high variance, so they could pan out really well. Like, Jason Tatum mm. could be the best player in his draft class. They could get the number two pick from the Lakers next year. It could be a landslide in their favor. And the same thing here. Like, Kyrie Irving could turn into a super-duper star under Brad Stevens. Isaiah Thomas could have left next year in free agency. You know, the Nets pick could be worse than expected. But there's also the flip side. Like it, they both of these deals could very easily backfire on Boston. Um, well, can, can we agree on something and never call it a super duper star because <laughs> duper has D in it and Kyrie doesn't play any. <laughs> so I mean, Ooh. just just from a a standpoint where we are using that term, like just do it correctly like lebron is a super duper star kevin durant is a super duper star Kawhi Leonard is a super duper duper star kyrie is just a super superstar then damn i you get real savage yeah. late at night i'm impressed more <laughs> i'm tired right <laughs> he's tired damn. uh sarah what did you think about the price boston paid here i went through like the three stages of trade reaction because <laughs> I think I was actually watching the Stars game um, on NBA TV the other night when I first saw anything about it. It was the, the little corner on the side of the screen, you know, and it says, uh, agree to trade, and it was Kyrie and Isaiah was all they listed because they only put, you know, the big names when they're summarizing it like that. So I was like, okay, that's kind of weird, but um, sort of makes it, like, I, I accepted that as player for player. And so then when I saw all these other things listed, uh, Crowder and Zizic in the, in the pick, then I was a little surprised. Um, oh. 
yeah, <laughs> I thought that was way overpaying, and now I'm kind of talking myself back into it's not it's not even, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's as egregious as as I felt like it was at first. Um, and a lot of people have made that point that well, you know, maybe it wasn't so bad to throw in the two other players, but the pick really pushes it over. Mm-hmm. But I think you know the Cavs have made the point that ever since they feel like LeBron won't be back, that they want to look for pieces to rebuild. Um, so, I, you know, they may not have wanted to make the trade at all without the pick. So it, it's tough. I mean, I guess the Celtics wanted Kyrie that bad. But I don't know. I just feel like Isaiah and Kyrie are such similar players that, yeah, I, it's definitely they, they paid overpaid a little bit. I think Crowder and Isaiah would have probably been good and, and maybe one or the other, but not both extra pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of went through the similar, <laughs> I like how you said, the three stages where at first <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, Colby Altman, you just murdered Danny Ainge. And then I'm starting to talk myself back into like, well, you know, so there is the report, ESPN's Jeff Goodman says uh, the Celtics were concerned about Isaiah's hip injury, which kept him out of the last three games of the playoffs. He did not have surgery on it. Um it's still kind of unclear if he's going to be ready by the start of the regular season, actually. I saw a report uh, today from, I think, USA Today, where uh, Danny basically said, like, we, you know, I think he'll be around, ready by around the start, but we're not sure, like, at the start. Um, again, he's an unrestricted free agent after this season. There was the fear of, like, you know, he's been pushing very publicly for a max contract, and do you really want to give thirty plus million dollars to a five nine guy who, you know, is possibly the league's worst defender, uh, especially one coming off of a hip injury, which could limit his lateral movement moving forward? You know, it, I think I saw some people say like, well, you know, the Celtics got the or the Cavs got the best player in the deal in Isaiah because he like put up better numbers than Kyrie, and I think that's garbage. Kyrie Irving is the better player of the two, if only because you can't teach those six inches of height, right? Like, Isaiah's Mm -hmm. problem on defense is not, I mean, it's effort too, but it's also he's just physically limited. You're never going to be an elite defender at 5'9". If Kyrie buys into defense, you know, he's 6'3", 6'4", like, he, he could feasibly be a not completely awful defender, and he's shown flashes of that at times. He's just not consistent. So, I mean, I do think it was an overpay. I think, Sarah, you said it well, like, Crowder and the pick hurts if it was just one or the other. That's more fair. But can I, I just want to say, guys, have you guys ever seen the movie iRobot? Yeah, several times. <laughs> one of my guilty pleasures. <laughs> Me too. So there's one part where... Will Smith, the entire movie, is just, he's the only one who's like, these robots are crazy, and they're going to come kill us. And everyone's in denial, and everyone's like, no, no, no. Will Smith, stop. But then, the robots were crazy, and they really were trying to kill everyone, and he says something along the lines of like, you know, somehow, I told you so just doesn't quite cut it. And that is how I feel with you two about how much they got back in return for Kyrie Irving, because the whole... You know, since his trade request came out, uh, and we talked, we had a whole podcast about you know which teams could get involved and what they could fetch in return. And I, I had been pounding the table for Phoenix to trade like Bledsoe and T.J. Warren 
and Dragon Bender. And oh, we know. <laughs> and I honestly think Cleveland got even more value in return than the Phoenix package that I was proposing. Yeah, we agree. We disagree on that. I should say, um, simply because there are so many unknown factors regarding Josh Jackson, and the fact that you know the the pick itself is is probably not going to be all that. You know, it, it, that pick from Phoenix is going to be pretty high, probably. Mm. Uh, whereas the Nets pick, I think, is going to lose significant value. They got better. Brooklyn did. Mm. To the point where I even whispered to you guys on Twitter that they might, oh, yeah. might, not saying they will, might make a playoff run simply because the East suck. Like, the Bulls got worse. The Pacers got worse. The Knicks are still the Knicks. <laughs> yeah. The Hawks got worse. I mean, look, is it really that out of the, you know, out of, is it really that unrealistic, I should say? Yes. For Brooklyn to actually make something that just resembles a run towards the playoffs? Uh, I, I mean, I think there is a clear hierarchy in the East of Cleveland-Boston on top. Uh, yeah. Washington, Toronto, Milwaukee, Toronto, yeah. and then Charlotte's comfortably in its own tier, and then Detroit, Miami, Philly. Then you get into like, uh, I mean, the rest of them are going to be awful. So there's going to be the teams, you know. I think Chicago is clearly going to tank, and I'm actually coming around to them now being the worst team because I think Atlanta at least has like three NBA players. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I've been saying yeah. this. Yeah, I tried. I mean, Atlanta is going to be really bad too. But like, Deadman is an NBA player. Bazemore is an NBA player. Schroeder is an NBA player. Ilyasova is an NBA player. Like until the Bulls mm-hmm. have Levine back, they're going to be just a Travis Sham mockery. They're going to put the 2013-14 <laughs> ers to shame. Um, so like, there will be. I I don't think the Nets are going to be the worst team in the East, but I don't think. A playoff run is feasible. I think, you know, they're going to finish somewhere in the range of, like, five to seven in terms of, you know, fifth to seventh worst record. If if they make the playoffs, I'm going to re-quote you the Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> that That is calling yeah. your shot. You have to stick to that, though. Yeah. I, I will. Look. You guys, I gotta just ask you: if you were if you were Danny Ainge, and you were that stubborn and not wanting to give up like anything for neither Jimmy Butler or Paul George, and then you give up this for Kyrie, are we all in the agreement that of those three, Kyrie is a significant step beneath those two? I'll throw that to Sarah first. I would take that, um, considering those guys are two-way players. Yeah. I mean, Kyrie has impact when he's when he's really <laughs> cruising and he's unguardable. You know, yeah, that's something. But yeah, <laughs> I, I can I can I can see it in your eyes. You're going back to the 57 Flashbacks. point game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's just war memories. Like, oh, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> the only thing that gives me pause there is Paul George is a free agent next year, and he is. It's not even right. a secret right. that he's going to the Lakers, whereas. Kyrie and Jimmy both I think it's feasible that they stay with whatever team they landed on um, yeah I mean I, I think that is the fair question though because I found you know I'm writing about this trade for FanRag right now and 
I, I found a report uh, from back at the draft where the Bulls allegedly were asking for the number three pick straight up for Jimmy, and the Celtics said no. And I can't believe they would do they would say no to that. You know, it's also, the thing with the Celtics is it's hard to know what's real and what's not when you're talking about Celtics trade rumors because they pop up in every mm-hmm. negotiation and then yeah. after they inevitably fall out of the trade talks, they leak a package of like, oh, we offered six picks, including four first rounders for Justice Winslow and Charlotte turned us down. You know, it, you just don't know what to believe. So allegedly they offered, the Bulls offered number three for Jimmy straight up. The Celtics turned them down. We, again, we don't know if that's true or not. But I think it's fair to argue I would rather have Jimmy Butler than Kyrie Irving in a vacuum. My question is, I mean, you know, they, they A, they presumably wanted a point guard. They don't trust Marcus Smart or Terry Roger in that role. So I understand it from that perspective. But Sarah, how do you see Kyrie fitting with Boston? Because it, it's going to be a very different system than what he's running in Cleveland. And I just want to read off a couple numbers real quick and then let you let you respond there. But So the Celtics averaged more passes than every other team aside from the Philadelphia 76ers last season. Cleveland had the fifth fewest league-wide. The Cavs had more isolation possessions than any other team. Boston had the third fewest. I think, I, I don't remember the exact number, but basically Isaiah Thomas ran more pick and rolls than very few other people as well. So it's just a totally, completely, you know, Cleveland was heavy isolation, not as much ball movement. Boston, lots of ball movement, not that much isolation. Do you think Kyrie's going to be able to adapt his game? Honestly, it's really hard to tell. I don't want to say that he can't because I don't know. But, yeah, as you pointed out, it's very different from what he came from. Now, you know, there is the factor of he's used to, you know, having to give the ball up, LeBron, you know, not having it in his hands that much when LeBron has it. So, I mean, there's that where he could, you know, he can maybe adapt. Um, but at the same time, we all know that what he does really well is isolate. Um, so, you know, how do you fit that into a system that is predicated on moving the ball? Um, We've seen that somewhat in San Antonio at times when you bring in a guy who, I mean, I guess it's somewhat luck, lucky that we haven't had that many guys who are really good at ISO, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, it doesn't always fit in that well. You don't want to take away from what someone does really well. You know, LaMarcus, it's different because he's not a perimeter player, but at the same time, like throwing it into the post, we just mm-hmm. don't do that much anymore, and it slows down the entire set of the offense. Other guys tend to want to stand and watch. Um, and the Celtics are not going to want that. So, and then at the same time, like I said, that's what Kyrie does well. So you don't want to take that completely away from him, but you don't want him to disrupt the flow of the offense either. So it's going to be interesting. I will say, if anybody can do it, Brad Stevens could probably figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're in good hands as far as that. But we'll just have to wait and see. I really don't know. I'm going to give Kyrie the chance to say, you know, I think he, he could maybe do it. I don't know for sure. But uh, it's definitely going to be an adjustment. Yeah, for sure. 70%. 70% of his offense was unassisted. Kyrie's offense? Yeah. Sounds about so right. So that means that... Means that only 30% of his scores 
came off of assists from and probably LeBron kickoffs. Like I I don't know how many of those uh, were accredited to LeBron, but probably a pretty <laughs> significant portion, right? Right. So that it, that is going to be an adjustment. Having said that, Kyrie being that dangerous of a shooter mm-hmm. puts me at ease mm-hmm. because the dude can flat out shoot, and he can shoot when moving off the ball, and he can shoot on the ball. Um, in fact, he can actually create three-point shots off the dribble because only 50% of his three-point field goals were assisted. Mm. So he can create off the bounce from the outside, which is always a very strong point of just raw talent and being able to throw a team off defensively. Mm-hmm. But just given his ability to just stroke that ball, it's it's just gorgeous. Um, so that really is a key thing that they have to just work into the game. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him under new circumstances. Yeah. I'm cautiously optimistic about his fit there, and it's why I've come around just in terms of, yeah, you know, I thought, at first I thought Cleveland won this deal pretty handily. Now I'm starting to see it from Boston's perspective, too, where, like, yeah, they might have overpaid a little bit, and, yeah, there were probably better deals on the table. They could have had Jimmy or Paul George or, you know, Chris Paul if they wanted. Um but, you know, I think the fact that Boston has Gordon Hayward, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, all of them are pretty good passers, too. So it's not like Kyrie's going to have to be Chris Paul and have the ball in his hand every possession, take it up the court every possession. Like, I think they're going to have an offense where he can operate off the ball more more often than he did in Cleveland, but, like, not have it just be my turn, your turn, like it was with him and LeBron a lot of the time. I think he'll be able to operate more as a slasher, a cutter, where he's just going to be so lethal, giving his ability to finish. So I see it. Like, I, I understand why Danny Ainge thought this was the guy to go all in on. Because if, if he... You know, if you turn him into quote unquote the face of the franchise, which is possible or like whatever, he's a co headliner with Gordon Hayward if it matters all that much. But he could very easily fall in love with Boston, re sign there, be the face of the franchise for the next ten years. And like he's twenty five, like he still has you know, he is just now entering the beginning of his prime. It's really hard to acquire players of his caliber at that age like unless you're the bulls and you do it 10 years later like 25 year old (laughs) championship winning point guards don't go on the market all that often so like yeah you're gonna have to overpay to get them but you know i it wouldn't surprise me if in the end this turns out being a win-win for both sides yeah the bulls are probably gonna sign Kyrie by 2027 right (laughs) it's about right yeah yeah and then they'll buy him out a year later Here's the thing, though. I was never concerned about Boston's offense. Hmm. I was concerned about their defense mm-hmm. and their rebounding. Yep. Now you took Jay Crowder away. Yep. So defensively, that's a downgrade. Yeah. Who is going to stop anyone right now? Like Marcus Smart, obviously, a brilliant defender. You can even play him on small ball fours, mm-hmm. which is a luxury that basically no other team has from their point guard. Outside of that, who have you got? I mean, Al Horford, to some extent, yeah, but he's getting older, he's getting slower, he is a liability on the boards. 
who is stepping up in crunch time in a close playoff game to just shut someone down? Jalen Brown? Is he ready for that? I think that's the hope, right? That moving Crowder frees up minutes for both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So, Mm. ideally, I mean, I think Brown is more ready for that role than Tatum. I think Tatum is going to be more of an offensive player as a rookie, whereas Brown, it wouldn't surprise me if he turns into, like, a better version of Crowder, basically. So, I, you know, that would be my guess. They have, Sarah, they have your boy Aaron Baines to, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if they're going to, I don't think they'll start him, but if they need more muscle inside, he'll provide 15, 20 minutes off the bench. I'm, I'm more, I think you're totally right, and it leads into the, kind of the big question, I think, for Boston moving forward. Are they better now after acquiring Kyrie and after the events of this whole summer, including trading Avery Bradley for Marcus Morris, trading you know, Markel Fultz for Jalen, uh, yeah, Jalen, <laughs> Jason Tatum, they need to. It's so annoying that they both have a J A Y name. Get out of there, Boston. <laughs> um, and then you know, getting Gordon Hayward, getting Aaron Baines, losing Olynyk. Sarah, do you think they're better or worse in 2017-18 than they were if they just rolled back the same core? It's a it's a tough question for me. I think they needed to start moving forward. I think they were a little stale. And then you have Isaiah talking about the Brinks truck. So (laughs) I feel like, you know, they they needed to make a move. But, yeah, I think think they're better. But Morton brought up a great point, and that's, you know, we've always been concerned about their defense and their rebounding, rebounding especially. And I think they've made some some small strides there, but I don't know that it's going to be enough. That's Those are still big question marks. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think? I think they're, I think they're improved. I think they are a better regular season team than they were last year. But I wonder if their lack of defense right now, pending of course Jalen Brown's improvement and development, is going to severely limit their playoff potential. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at because I'm when you sign Gordon Hayward. And you get Kyrie in there. I'm assuming you're going to go for it. Now you need the rest of the components. Which I don't think they have. In the regular season, it doesn't really matter all that much. You can get by on explosive offense. Right. So they're probably going to see an increase in wins. And a lot of people are probably going to buy the hype and go, Oh, this is the year. This (laughs) is the year. And then LeBron is going to average 45. And, you know, I didn't mention this before. And I need to, to give him credit, though. Gordon Hayward actually turned into a pretty good defender in Utah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he really did, and he has not been given enough credit for his defensive improvements. I don't see him as this lockdown defender when he has to like take on LeBron right. or someone of that caliber, I, and I don't think he'll succeed if he's given that role. Mm-hmm. But during the course of a game, he's extremely active, he's smart, he reads plays, so... That's an asset they have defensively as well. I should have given him that. But in the playoffs, it's just a different beast. So I think they're going to be way better in the regular season. The hell, they, they might even end you know, with a significant margin in leading the Eastern Conference in wins. And then probably going to get steamrolled. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's where I'm at too. Um, you know, I, I think 
Crowder is the big key here in terms of the Cleveland-Boston matchup in particular because, you know, you're now taking away a wing defender from a team that's going to be defending LeBron James and you're adding yeah. a wing defender to a team whose best wing player is Gordon Hayward. Like, now you can just stick Crowder on Gordon Hayward. LeBron doesn't have to exert himself that much because he's going to be guarding... Marcus Morris, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart. Like, you know, I, I mean, maybe... No, I, I feel like you could put J.R. Smith or Shumpert on Kyrie. Like, you, I don't think LeBron needs to burn himself out defensively in that series now. So I do think he's just going to rain triple-doubles on them every night. Um, but yeah, Mort, I agree with you that they're going to... They're going to put up huge numbers in the regular season. It wouldn't surprise me if they win 55 games. I just think uh, this coming season, it will be difficult, if not impossible, for them to topple the Cavaliers. Unless Isaiah's hip is worse than we know. Yeah, that's a good point. That hip, I mean, we didn't really talk about that a whole... Yeah, you mentioned it before, but I mean, all depending on the kind of impact that's going to have on the upcoming season if this is going to be like a career altering injury Mm -hmm. for Isaiah Thomas then obviously the whole thing is just going to look very different in five six months time and we're going to have a better picture of what's going on Mm -hmm. but if it somehow turns out to be a non-issue and you know that little guy starts burning everyone for 30 in the playoffs like (laughs) good luck yeah yeah uh, so let's actually, since we're talking about Isaiah, let's flip it now to the Cleveland side of things. How do you think more? How do you think Isaiah is going to fit next to LeBron, Kevin Love, and the rest of the Cavaliers? Well, I don't think Kevin Love will be on the roster. Actually, ooh, interesting. Mm. Yeah, I, I think they have one more trade in them. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they went for Melo in some capacity and, mm. and made a three-way trade where Love ended up somewhere and Melo reached the Cavs. The thing is, though, with Jay Crowder being a, a three-man himself, then you'd have to play probably a Braun full-time at the four, which I'm a big proponent of. I think that's his position now. Mm-hmm. Melo can also play small ball four, so I'm not really sure how you juggle the three of them. Yeah. But, I mean... If they did, and they had those three for two positions, good lord, would that be... Like, that would probably be the strongest forward trio in the league. Yeah. Which is saying something. Um, I'm not sure. I I, I just... I'm not seeing a a Kevin Love role for this team. Like, now Kyrie is out. I I could see them trying to switch focus a little bit and be a little bit more playmaking slash perimeter oriented. Mm Mm-hmm. They would still need rebounding, of course, but maybe Tristan Thompson is up to the task. But asking me whether, you know, if they're better and, and yeah, I mean, and, and how Isaiah is going to fit, I think Isaiah is going to fit in great. I mean, he has the respect of LeBron, LeBron and vice versa. He is a great shooter. He's a great spot-up shooter. He was ridiculously efficient last year. Yeah, he had like a true shooting percentage of 62. Mm-hmm. So we we know that he can shoot off the bounce. We know he can shoot, um, you know, spotting up. We know he can get to the line. And if he's able to come back from this injury and there are no issues whatsoever, 
I could also see his offensive volume sort of extend LeBron's career a little bit. Interesting. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Like, LeBron could take more of a backseat. And one might say, well, the same could be said with Kyrie. Well, sure, but Kyrie's a different kind of scorer. Mm-hmm. Isaiah is one of those guys who is who's just capable of going on these major runs at, at weird moments of the game, whereas Kyrie, he was he had those too, like Sarah can attest to that, <laughs> right. the 57. I'm sorry, Sarah. But it was a lot of that was still in the flow of the game yeah whereas isaiah thomas has a tendency to step outside you know what we deem humanly possible and just make shots that are just utterly ridiculous and sort of go on these these just insane quarters which i think lebron is going to feed off a lot when sitting on the bench he's going to get a lot of energy and then he's going to come in you know, make a couple bang bang plays, and then the Cavs are up by twenty five, and he can go sit down again. <laughs> right, right, yeah. I mean, because yeah. with Kyrie, he had that role before LeBron came, but then LeBron came, and they built the whole offense around LeBron. And Kyrie's always kind of been the sidekick from there, which is what apparently pissed him off and wanted it, or for, <laughs> encouraged him to request a trade. Whereas Isaiah was like the clear number one option last year on a good. You know, an Eastern Conference finalist team. So I think he's more established, if that makes sense, in the sense that, like, he knows he can go off for 40 at any time. I think now he's tasted, like, he almost made it to the finals, so he's going to be willing to sacrifice as need be. I mean, again, it's going to be an adjustment for both of those guys, for Kyrie and Isaiah, because... You know, just as Kyrie was an ISO player going to a, a movement-heavy system, Isaiah is a movement-heavy player going to an ISO system. So I hope that Ty Lu adjusts the Cavs' offense a little bit and gets more movement involved. I think that's only going to benefit the team come playoff time, especially against elite defenses, <laughs> the Warriors. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I think it's... I don't think this is a hot take at all. And Sarah, let me know if I'm wrong. But I think the Cavs, after this trade, are better equipped to beat the Warriors than they were with just Kyrie. Is that is that totally outlandish? No, I don't think that's outlandish at all. I think, you know, you've added a guy in Isaiah who can do, as we said, very similar things to what Kyrie could do. Um He's also going to run pick and roll more, hopefully. Like you said, hopefully their their offense adjusts a little bit and they do more movement as well. Um, but then you've also added a perimeter defender, which was one of their main main areas of, of need last, last year. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you guys recall back when this whole saga began and Kyrie, we found out that he wanted out and he named the Spurs apparently as a team that he would like to go to. And I told you guys that, of course, everyone can tell me how crazy it is or isn't, but that I didn't want to give uh, up Danny Green in a package mm-hmm. for Kyrie, that I wouldn't do it because I just feel like the defense is more valuable and more of a need for us right now. Uh, now, maybe we should take the Warriors out of the equation when we're evaluating trades just because what can anybody really do <laughs> right. to try to get to that level? But. But, I mean, that is the team that we all have to look up to and try to figure out how to guard. And, yeah, you can't do it with a bunch of guys who are sieves on the defensive end. So, yeah, they needed to shore up that, that perimeter 
defensive perimeter a little bit. They did that, and they got a, a great score back as well, <laughs> and a pick. So, and a prospect, you know, a young guy. So, no, yeah, I think they're better equipped. Yeah, I mean, if now they can really just put, just say, Jay, like, we don't care what you do, just stand in the court on offense, play 40 minutes, guard Kevin Durant, don't make LeBron do it. Because LeBron, at every game of the finals last year, started really hot and then just, like, ran out of steam by the middle of the third quarter because he mm-hmm. was guarding Kevin Durant instead of Harrison Barnes like he was the year before. <laughs> More, do you think they're going to be, you know, let's assume we get round four in the finals. Do you think the oh Cavs God, have a please, chance? Please don't. No? You don't want it? No. No. Kind, kind of tired of the whole mm-hmm. <laughs> But now they're Cavs so different. Warriors. Now the Cavs are a different team. I don't team. care. I don't care. It's still going to go down to... Oh, who's the best player? He said, KD or LeBron James. Go tune in on ESPN tomorrow morning. At, yeah, I yeah. don't care. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I just don't care. I, I want something else. Like, if it was up to me, it'd be like, I don't know, something completely weird. Like, Portland and Toronto or something. Just just shake things up. Denver and Milwaukee. There you go. That's a good one. I would love that. <laughs> Emmanuel Moutier in the finals? <laughs> oh, no. That would be beautiful. Um, I mean, you're asking me if they have a shot at the Warriors, and I'm going, no. I could also elaborate and go, no. <laughs> it's it, They're just that strong, that much stronger at this point. Um, KD is in his prime. Was that and, the question, and, though? Because, yeah, I didn't mean to answer that the way I did if that was the, the exact question. I, I phrased it differently from what I, okay. I said. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. For, for you, I just asked yeah. if they're better equipped to beat them. But, yeah, I wanted for to sure. get into I can, it. I can answer that, too. I can answer that, too. And okay. I, yeah, I mean, look, I think I think it's, it's somewhat the same. Because what you give up in terms of height from the point guard position. Because, look, here's the thing. You can't shoot over Kyrie, but you can shoot over... Isaiah Thomas. Right. And if you're up against the Warriors, yeah, I mean, high Stephen Curry. Yeah. Like, he he's just going to fire, what, seven three-pointers a game, uh, you know, in, in the head of, of, um, of Isaiah Thomas, which he couldn't really do against Kyrie, who matched his, like, physique. Mm-hmm. So I think that is going to give the Warriors a, a tremendous advantage coming into the finals. But... It would make both KD and Draymond Green work harder with Jay Crowder coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. So there is like a trade-off. But if Curry gets hot in the first quarter, you know, and just drops, I say, it defensively, there's the game already. So I'm not sure whether this strengthens him or it weakens him. So I'm just gonna say a wash. Interesting. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I want to say it's not like Kyrie was doing much defensively against the Warriors, but I do think he was more effective than Isaiah will be. Because as you said, Curry, <laughs> you said seven three-pointers. That seems low to me. I think Curry's shooting like 15 a game on him. Um, but I, yeah, I just think, you know, Jay, I think is going to be a big piece of the puzzle for Cleveland this year. And Sarah, you mentioned it, how they just really didn't have a perimeter defender. Like, Sorry, 37-year-old Richard Jefferson, you have no chance against a 10 years younger Kevin Durant. Sorry, Iman Shumpert, like, <laughs> hop in a time machine back to 2015, and maybe you would, but 
you seem lost. I, I just think Jay gives them more positional versatility, which is going to come in handy when you're going against Golden State. Um, I mean, it's still, like, if you have to pick that series right now, I'm still clearly picking the Warriors, but, like, weird stuff happens, you know? One injury could really turn the tide here, and that's that leads into my next question. Regardless of what happens in the 2018 Finals, or if they even make it to the 2018 Finals, Mort, do you think this deal was enough to convince LeBron to stay, or is he still piecing in 2018? Is Dan Gilbert still the owner? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mm. That's where I'm yep. at, too. Yep. You really um, just need I mean, uh, a picture of your face, Mort. The face that you just made <laughs> should just be the cover the cover for the podcast. <laughs> it's just, like, so no-nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just dead eyes. I mean, completely. Look, I mean... I wrote a piece uh, a couple of months back about poor ownerships over at B-Ball Breakdown. Mm-hmm. And it's just so true because when it becomes known publicly that an owner is bad at his job, players know, they understand, their agents know, it becomes something you know that everyone is aware of. Mm-hmm. It factors into free agency decisions. It factors into people wanting out. And Dan Gilbert is a horrific owner. Look, again, I'm going to repeat myself from a couple of podcasts ago. He offered Chauncey Billups a deal that was worth (laughs) less than if Chauncey decided to come back out of retirement and sit on an NBA bench for seven months, not playing a goddamn minute. That's the type of owner Cleveland has right now. That This just speaks volumes. And LeBron, a man of integrity... I don't think wants to be associated with that. I think he gave Dan Gilbert one more shot. I think it worked for a season because they got the ring. Mm-hmm. Although, let's be fair, a whole bunch of things you know had to happen beforehand. And I think that's that's it. He got Cleveland the ring now. Yeah. Now he can just say, you know, I want it for you. Mm-hmm. Bye bye now. Yeah. I, um, I'm with you there. So, Sarah, I want to ask you this. Assuming he does leave in 2018, how is Cleveland's outlook after this trade? Is it better or worse than it was before? Well, <laughs> I think it's better because you have the pick coming. It's better because you have this young guy that hopefully turns into something really good. You, you've got Crowder. But... You know, there's there's no making up for LeBron walking out that door. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be really difficult to to try to turn that around. Um, they can't just continue to hope, you know, or wait for LeBron to come back every few years. <laughs> you know, right. they they're going to have to start that that rebuild, and it will probably have some painful moments. But hey, I, you never get to look back with with regret. Really, you got that that title, and so. Just, just happy memories. Everybody's got to rebuild sometime. Yeah. Even though the Spurs are trying to trying to make it look like you don't, <laughs> right. but it's coming for all of us one day or another. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's they're they're slightly better. It's the same as I should specify uh, when I said are they better equipped to face the Warriors or anybody? Yeah, I think they are, but it's ever so incremental. <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's small, but they're slightly better better chance. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, a lot is going to come down to that pick, as you said, and as we talked about earlier, there's no guarantee. You know, even if the Nets finish with, like, the third worst record, when you're trading for a pick, you're you're trading, yeah, you're trading for the ceiling, but you're also trading for the floor, right? So if they mm-hmm. have the third worst record, you're guaranteed to be in the top six. If they have the seventh worst record, that could be number 10. So that's a lot less enticing. So you hope that Brooklyn is very bad and they could be, you know, we just don't know. Like they have a lot of new pieces. They lost their best player in Brooke Lopez. Things could go very south very quickly or they could surprise. And as Morton says, they can make the playoffs. So a lot will come down to that pick, but Zizic. Don't put that on me. I never said they're going to make the playoffs. Let's, let's Morton just be said clear. They're be a top four seed in the Eastern conference. <laughs> first. Um, yeah. I mean, I think a lot will come down to what they do with Isaiah Thomas too. If they, if they re-sign him to a five-year max with LeBron leaving, that's going to be a little iffy. If they get him to like a Kyle Lowry deal, like a three-year, hundred million kind of thing. See, I feel like yes. he might be a rental. What do you guys think the likelihood is of him? Because obviously he wants some money. <laughs> yeah. So you think yeah. he will be back? I just don't think the um, market's going to be there. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, I well, when Kyle Lowry signed that deal, as Brian just mentioned, like everyone, at least on Twitter, I'm not sure about NBA front offices, though I could imagine they they would find logic in it. Everyone was sort of in agreement that, yep, yeah, that's that's the deal that Isaiah Thomas is worth. Like a, you pay him for a couple of years, just crazy money, simply because he still has at least a few years left, and then. You kind of slowly afterwards build in some protection on that contract so you can get out of it if need be. If someone out there is going, you know what, I'm I'm going to max him out. Four years and however many million it takes, go, go get that money, mm-hmm. Isaiah, and never look back. And welcome to the New York Knicks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, the Knicks are totally going to sign him. You're so right for it. Oh no! Yeah. yeah, right. I mean, we're gonna we we need someone to compliment Kristaps Porzingis, and who better <laughs> than yeah? James Dolan is gonna be like, yeah, we know that that Isaiah Thomas is undersized. Kristaps is seven three, so when you combine their height, <laughs> it, it, it average out, it evens out. Oh man, that I'm excited for that press conference already. Mm. Um, okay, any final thoughts, Sarah, on this trade from either side? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was easy. Okay, what about you, Mort? Could you repeat that? You kind of jumped out a little bit there. Oh, do you have any final thoughts about this trade from either side? I'm just glad something happened. I mean, we're in late August. I was kind of sitting here going, where's my NBA news? <laughs> and then also I was kind of expecting the the whole Kyrie Irving thing to drag out. And mm-hmm. we know that... That's just boring as hell. So I was kind of surprised to see it go down to this point. And, uh, well, my final thought is this, I guess. When someone wants out, usually their trade value declines, Mm -hmm. like, significantly. Mm -hmm. So if you look at it just through that lens, Cleveland won big time. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, there's no two ways about it. We can sit here going, oh, well... You know who's who are the is this team better after this trade yada 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 but 
however you slice it, Cleveland won in their own right because they had a guy going, nope, I don't want to be here. There was even a report saying that he might not even want to uh, report to training camp. Like, he wanted out that bad. Mm. And then you get Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, a first-round draft pick from Brooklyn, no less. At least we'll see what that turned into. But that was a highly highly regarded pick. Mm -hmm. And Ante Sisic. Mm -hmm. I mean, good on you, Kobe Altman. Good on you. I agree. And then I hate the fact that Dan Gilbert actually made a good deal. I mean, <laughs> that he doesn't deserve that at all. Right. And then still left with this impression overall. I do not understand how two teams such as Chicago and Indiana <laughs> could get that little for their for their stars when Cleveland got what they did for a, a guy who was aggressively more willing to go elsewhere that's just that blows my mind and it just it puts those two deals in perspective doesn't it i feel like you need to get a tattoo of the trade terms for the jimmy butler deal just <laughs> zach levine chris dunn number seven like tattooed on one bicep and then <laughs> oh no no not number seven no no it's it's chris dunn zach levine and a nine pick difference <laughs> right Right, or just spell out Laurie Markkinen, because I think that might even be worse. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna need like a bigger body to get that thing. <laughs> but uh, no, look, look, let's let's not kid ourselves here. I mean, the Pacers deal, yeah, or the OKC deal. That was that was the worst one yeah. when you look at it. Yeah. And and I know that Paul wanted out, but so did Kyrie. Now you look at it; th- those are comparable situations. And Paul is even a better player. <laughs> and they got, I mean, Domas has Sabonis and Victor Oladipo. Come on. I mean, oof, Indiana fans right now, I could imagine, are pissed. Well, absolutely pissed. Kyrie had one more year on his deal, so I think that inflated the price compared to Paul. But regardless, right, but, that's still yeah. in a vacuum. That's still an awful trade. <laughs> There's no denying that. Hmm. Um,. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to have something at FanRag probably tomorrow about the Boston side of things and whether they overpaid, so keep an eye out for that. Let's move on, since we're talking about Indiana and Paul George and the Lakers. Turns out, uh, Peter Vesey was the one who broke the news and the NBA confirmed the Pacers have filed tampering charges against the Lakers with regard to Paul George. We don't know. The NBA has said nothing conclusive yet. Um, If they are found guilty, they could be fined. They could forfeit draft picks. I think the NBA could even prevent Paul George from going there. So it's a pretty Mm -hmm. high-stakes situation if they are found guilty. Sarah, do you think there's anything the NBA can do to legislate tampering? So Magic, their team president, went on Jimmy Kimmel... Uh, I think earlier this year, I forget when. Um, and Jimmy Kimmel asked him basically, like, what would you do if you ran into Paul George? Like, you're not allowed to speak to him about free agency in 2018. And Magic basically said, or I've got the quote right here. He said, I just can't say, hey, we want you to come to the Lakers, even though I'm going to be wink winking. You know what that means, right? And then he did exaggerated winks. So <laughs> do you think the NBA 
can legislate this kind of stuff? Should they be worrying about it? Is it is it different when it's coming from a team executive versus players? Should they be worried about uh, talk show appearances? <laughs> <laughs> Just tampering in general, but yeah, talk show appearances too. <laughs> that yeah, that was a tough situation for Magic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he had to do the old. Uh, I can't tell you to do this, but if I were going to say something, I would <laughs> right. say. Right. Okay, well then you said it. Um, yes. Yeah, I don't know. That's a question for Adam Silver. Should we ever get him on the podcast? <laughs> um, I man, I don't know. It's it's tough, but I just think it's hilarious, honestly. <laughs> and if, if they end up, if they end up getting in trouble for this whole tampering thing and Paul George isn't allowed to go there. Oh, God. I, I almost want it to happen just because I want to see. <laughs> like, we already saw the stalemate of him trying to get traded this year. Yeah. What would happen if if he can't go to L.A.? That would yeah. 100% be the funniest thing since. <laughs> it's kind of exciting. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it's also so blatantly ridiculous because haven't we had reports about Wade, Bosch, and LeBron admitting to having conversations back in 2008? Yeah. Not in, to mention Durant. Yeah. yeah, just yeah, last Durant year. Too, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Like, Draymond sent mm-hmm. a text well, right after. Back to yeah. the World Championships, Durant, Curry, Iguodala, I think, were right. all in the same church group and bonded there. <laughs> I don't think you can they're they're gonna talk to each other you know it's I don't know how you do that and it does seem strange that you pick out the Lakers I wonder what other word there must have been some kind of rumor floating around that made them actually look into it I don't know what it could maybe maybe you should have maybe you should have transfer window opportunities like in in football Mm -hmm. um soccer yeah yeah I hate the fact that I have to mention that (laughs) um because that's a little bit more open system mm-hmm. where you can talk to players on different teams to gauge interest before you purchase them and whatnot. So maybe you have like certain windows in which it's fair game to speak to a player's agent regarding that player and speak to the player himself before a trade possibly, something mm-hmm. like that. To just have, get a sense of where you can, you know, what do you want, what are you looking for? Because at the end of the day, you know, information is power. And if all 30 teams have the ability to get as much intel as they can on players, they can actually construct their roster a lot better than they probably, you know, can do right now. We, I, I don't know who, but uh, I read an article a couple of weeks back saying there are still a couple of guys in the NBA, a couple of teams that still, you know, abide by the rules, go old school, and they feel that they are just so far behind Mm -hmm. every single summer because they haven't put in that groundwork that a lot of teams do off the books Mm -hmm. and that's that's not fair so at least give everyone a level playing field the lakers are apparently one of them what under mitch kupchak they were apparently one of the few that were like well we're gonna you know we're not gonna contact you before july 1st at midnight yeah that's right that was kupchak right Mm -hmm. good good yeah good memory it's 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 almost 3 a.m. a year, so give me a break, right? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. 
And you don't want to turn into the NCAA, like, where if yeah. you're not cheating, you're not trying. So, <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, I don't think the NBA can do anything about player-to-player contact. Even, like, you know, earlier this summer when CJ McCollum was, like, photoshopping Carmelo Anthony into a Portland jersey. Whatever. Like, <laughs> part of the appeal of the NBA is that these guys have such vibrant personalities and they're allowed to express mm-hmm. themselves. Like, if you ever censor Joel Embiid on Twitter... NBA is like thirty three percent less enjoyable just on its own, so I want I want them to do whatever they want, you know if you whether it's publicly on social media or just mm. texting back and forth, because as you guys both said, like there's no way you can stop that and legislate that. These guys are friends; they're friends off the court. Like yeah. whatever, that's fine. I think the gray area is where executives gets involved, but I. I don't think it's a huge problem, all in all, especially if everyone is cheating behind by behind the scenes, just like in the NCAA. Like, every school is paying athletes under the table. That's fine. Uh, th- I think Magic especially, if this Kimmel interview comes back to bite him, as you said, Sarah, it's just going to be hilarious. I think it's like <laughs> these truly egregious cases where, God forbid, a team executive goes onto a talk show or a podcast and, you know, starts talking candidly about, oh, yeah, we're going to try to sign that guy next year. And, like, you know, all of a sudden we're hearing a bunch of reports about how Paul George is definitely going to the Lakers next year. Then it might be worth investigating. But ultimately, as you said, Sarah, I think if Paul George can't, if he's, like, literally not allowed to go to the Lakers, it would just be, I would stay glued to Twitter for a week. I wouldn't sleep. I would just like be re- constantly refreshing Lakers fans' Twitter feeds just to see what they had to say. I actually have a comment on that one <clears throat> because, and, and here I'm going to be a little bit conspiracy theorist. I would imagine like the big NBA writers slash reporters like Vogue and and you know Spears and all those guys or Stein, sorry, mm-hmm. the, the guys who report stuff. Yep. They would probably, in, in opinion pieces, be against it because if GMs were able to play with open cards, there would be less to report. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And and less to report means less articles. Less content means less clicks. Less clicks means less money. Means a pivot to video. <laughs> means a pivot to video. Yeah. But, I mean, so I, I think the ultimate, you know, Twitter decision amongst this would be, no, no, let, let it be where it is because then we have something to talk about because yeah. we need to get those patriots up that's just me thinking in in the media circles i would actually love like to listen to a podcast like if zach Lowe gets a, a gm on and he's like yeah yeah we're we're we want kyle lowry next year we're probably going to try to trade for him i would love that that yeah. would be so awesome and and like he could talk to his fans more openly aren't we all tired of the same old political BS answers we get in press conferences anyway. And also, like, the official team reports per team policy, financial, right. uh, yeah, you know, terms were, were not, not disclosed. disclosed. Yeah. yeah. Like, shut up. Just, like, everyone knows it anyway. It's just, it's, be more transparent. It's fine. Like, we believe that this uh, individual is going to help us off and on the court. He's going to be great in the community. Just shut up. You're going to cut him in two weeks. He was just a salary filler. Yeah. I mean, just just say that, you know, just be open. And why not? It would make for greater entertainment value as well. I think you're just scarred from Garpax. 
I probably <laughs> am because that is the most, you know, political sob in the business. Right. So yeah. 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 Exactly. At least Danny Ainge is like candid when he lies and says, "Oh yeah, we totally would have <laughs> taken Jason Tatum number one overall." Shut up, yeah. Danny Ainge. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. You have you have guys with personality. Yeah. You really do. And Daryl Morey. I would also add Daryl Morey, R.C. Buford as well. And yeah. he's not even a – and look, I, the last thing I heard from Buford was him having to cut off an interview with Woj because he was crying about Tim Duncan retiring. So mm-hmm. he's forever in my heart. That was just open and wonderful. Um, but, like, if that if, – if, it was this added element of openness, like saying, well, we are going to try to sign this specific guy next year. I can't guarantee it. Then you also, you know, you avoid all these rumors mm-hmm. because then the fan base are going to go, well, are we going to chase this guy or aren't we? Like, should whose heads should roll? But if <laughs> you have like a podcast with a guy going, well, we're going to try, then you heard it from the horse's mouth that it was, you know, it's an attempt. Yeah. It's not like a done deal. It's an attempt. That is Why true. not? That is very true. Um, okay. Let us go quickly into the other minor news of the week. Uh, two players fired their agents. Nerlens Noel fired Dan Fegan and signed with Rich Paul of Clutch Sports. Andrew Wiggins fired Bill Duffy. Uh, we don't know who he's signing with yet. So let's talk first about Noel quickly. So, Steve Kyler of Basketball Insiders tweeted, I believe, Wednesday that Noel turned down a $17.5 million annual deal. We don't know how long it was for. We don't know if it was like a four-year $70 million deal, two-year 35, whatever. Uh, but annual value, $17.5 million. More, how nervous should Dallas be, given Rich Paul's reputation, as a hardball kind of negotiator. I think at this point there is reason for concern in regards to Noel taking the qualifying offer. I would still put the pressure on him a little bit and just remind him of his injury history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like consistently. Like be so cruel just to send him video clips <laughs> of like his injury in college oh, in Kentucky. Like, remember this? Yeah. Noel, remember this? But that's a ridiculous contract to turn down at this stage. Um, I, I, I'm not sure what's going through the mind of Nerlens. He probably feels that he is a clear-cut max guy. And more power to him for believing that. I don't agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think $17.5 is actually a very, very fine area that he lands in. It's a fair deal for both sides. Um, if I'm Dallas, and if push comes to shove, and you go into the season... Not having locked him up, I would probably look elsewhere. I mean, he's still restricted, so he mm-hmm. can't really move about anywhere. He can go to Europe, I guess. Yeah. But, like, what's the attraction there? He's not going to get $17.5 million in Europe. Right. Or China, or anywhere else. Like, so I would I would tough it out if I'm Dallas. Yeah, it seems like Nerlens doesn't understand the market forces working against him this summer, and he's like looking at, well, you know, Bismack Biombo got a four-year, seventy-two million dollar <laughs> deal, so I deserve at least that. Whereas, like, yeah, no teams have the cap space to sign you to that deal anymore, and the market, you know, the bubble popped after last summer. If you weren't a free agent in twenty sixteen, you got screwed. So yeah, you know, again, 
we don't know how many years it is, so I think that will color the perception of this a little bit. But if it really was a four-year, $70 million deal, I don't blame Dallas for not budging from that. You know, I think the question now becomes, is Nerlens willing to take anything less than the max, or is he standing fast and saying, I'm not taking a penny less? Because if it's like, you know, ultimately he'd settle for $20 million a year, I think Dallas needs to budge and do that. But if it, if he's saying I'm not taking a penny less than the max, which is, you know, seemingly twenty four, twenty, yeah, close to, yeah, I mean, close to yeah. twenty three and a half, something. Maybe like above twenty four, yeah, like just under twenty five. Um, I mean, oh, it's more. Okay, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's a big difference. If if it's a five year deal, I did this math yesterday. The difference between one starting at the max and then starting at seventeen point five million. It's $46 million over the five years. So that's, you know, that, that, that is a sizable difference. Um, but again, we just don't know what Nerlens is asking for, what he's willing to compromise, if he's willing to compromise. So it's a given Paul's reputation and how he's handled himself. Mm. You know, he was the guy who got Tristan Thompson paid late into training camp. Like, it would not surprise me if this goes into training camp, if Nerlens holds out at first. Uh, I think he is ultimately going to get paid by Dallas. But, Sarah, I want to ask you this. If Nerlens, you know, says, I'm not taking a penny less than the max, Mason Plumlee's still on the free agent market. He's still a restricted free agent. Alex Len is, too. Would you threaten Nerlens and say, look, we're going to rescind your rights. We'll sign Mason Plumlee to half the price? Man. You know, I'm not good with the the whole political and the um, bargaining. When I was in, like, second grade, I ran for, I don't know, science club president or something, which was stupid because I'm not good at science at all. But I made it to the (laughs) top two, right? The final two. And I lost because I voted for my opponent. She she voted for somebody who wasn't in the running, which was smart. Um. Yeah, man, I would be afraid to upset him, but at the same time, what's he going to do? He can't really feasibly say, I'm not budging off the max. Like, who's going to give you that? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a tough situation. The timing is just really rough for him. Because as you mentioned, he saw cash getting thrown around last summer. But this is a whole different year. It's just not out there. It's not available. A 17 is good for a front court guy who's not an established superstar, which he isn't. Uh, mm-hmm. He believes in, in himself as well he should. And I can understand not wanting to get locked into a deal that is not the deal that you feel you deserve. But, oh. yeah, I, I mean, I think the Mavericks probably should. I mean, you want to try to be diplomatic in the way that you do it. Uh, I, I don't know how you diplomatically threaten someone, but I'm sure <laughs> right. it can be done. <laughs> um but yeah, there are other players out there. I think you would want to keep Nerlens if you can, but they're not going to give him the max. So there has to be some kind of way forward. He's got to budge at least a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, he you know, as Morton said, he could always take the qualifying offer. You run that risk um, if you're not willing to budge. If you're Dallas, but yeah, I just, I mean, it sucks for Nerlens. But like, if I'm Rich Paul, I'm the first thing I'm telling him is like, buddy, you take the qualifying offer. The market is not going to be better next summer. It's going to be more yeah. top-heavy, 
more teams are already capped out. Like, there's going to, if you thought this summer was bad, just wait. Like, you're not going to find the max deal next summer either. So, And Dallas won't be inclined to play you a whole lot, so your stats will be down. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, it's just not a good situation. Yeah. So, no, I, I, I would probably, if I'm Dallas, I would probably bump it to 18 and a half. I would mm-hmm. go up one mil. I would not go to 20. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would not even go to 19. I think I think the current offer and I assume it's full, full the full 4 years. Yeah. Because he's 23. I can't imagine Dallas offering like a 3-year or 2-year deal. Right. Oh god. Yeah. Uh, so, uh that would be ridiculous. I I'm assuming it's 4 4 years 70 is just the sweet spot for both teams mm-hmm. or for both sides. So, I mean, if Noel doesn't want to listen to reason, then I wouldn't blame Dallas at all for looking elsewhere. Yeah, I agree. And just yeah. a side note, I know people are going to say, and I've heard this already, that you know we're re-legislating the Nerlens trade that Philly did, and they're saying, you know, well, Nerlens didn't get the max deal, so Philly really screwed up. Like Nerlens still isn't signed, and if he's on a team where he was happy to be there, just imagine how protracted these contract negotiations would have been if he was still in Philly. Like, I, I think, in retrospect, you know, I would have liked to get more for him if I'm a Sixer, but Brian Colangelo was probably smart to just wash his hands of the situation because he probably saw what was coming. Um, so let's go into the other one, Andrew Wiggins. They've offered him now the five-year max deal. There was a report that came out, I think John Krasinski of the Associated Press was the first one who had this, that they were going to offer him the max, but Glenn Taylor, the Timberwolves owner, wanted to sit down with him because they were hesitant and they wanted him to like commit to getting better before they offered him this deal. So <laughs> clearly that went yeah. well. They offered him the max. He has now fired his agent. The speculation is that you know agents get a cut um, from any contract they negotiate. I think it's standard is like three to four percent, something like that. So the the speculation is that he's going to sign with an agent who's going to take a smaller cut. But from what I've read, um, it it doesn't matter since Duffy negotiated the deal. He's going to get the cut. Yeah, um, exactly. So I, I don't think there's much to talk about about the agent firing. Instead, I want to more. I got to ask you about this because you're the most. Uh, I don't want to say you're anti Wiggins, but you are down on no. him. Uh, no, I'm critical. I'm critical. critical. Fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a good word. So you are the most critical of Wiggins. What do you think that meeting says about him? The fact that Minnesota needed to have that assurance that he's going to get better, that he's going to work to get better. I think it's. I, I think I don't think necessarily it needs to be placed on him not working hard. I, I think it's a matter of him dedicating himself on one end of the floor. Mm. Right now he's strictly a scorer, and I think Minnesota wanted to assure themselves that they're going to get this two-way player that he was billed as coming in because Lord knows he has every tool at his disposal to be a two-way player. And I think what they needed from him was a conversation wherein... They found, you know, they, they kind of told him, we have Jimmy Butler now. Carl Anthony Towns is a great scorer, so are you ready to commit to being a defender? Are you ready to commit to 
maybe sacrificing a couple shots for the improvement of your overall game. And apparently, he must have said yes. If that's <laughs> if right. that's what happened, right. that's like that's my theory. That's just my personal theory, but it just makes sense, right? Because he was asked to score and not a whole lot else for three seasons. Now is the time to round out this game. Now is the time for him to just refocus and reschool himself to some degree. And hopefully that was the the main talking points of the meeting. And hopefully he accepted that. And and the Wolves were like, okay, fine, we'll sign you and. Next year, I mean, it's it's gonna be a different look for you. Yeah, yeah. We'll 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 see. Hopefully, Jimmy can impart some wisdom upon Wiggins because it's gonna be a very interesting year for him in terms of you know how far he can actually go. Is he really gonna develop into this two way dynamo in the mold of Jimmy and Paul George and guys like that, or is he gonna stagnate and be like a slightly better Rudy Gay? Oh, oh, that's harsh. <laughs> I mean, the, can can I just, despite being a Wiggins critic, I just want to point something out. Like I believe that 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 he can reach that potential. Mm-hmm. I am in no like it, at no point, and I'm closing the door on his abilities. He is so gifted. He's so athletic. He's so quick, and he when he is engaged defensively. And it's not it's not something that happens frequently by any stretch of the imagination, but when it does happen, he can be disruptive. Yeah. So that's the that's the back that he needs to, to just dig his whole arm into and just scoop out as much as he can. Mm-hmm. And I think he can. I think he can. And next year, if he averages eighteen a game instead of twenty three and a half, but is a you know, dimensions better defensively, yep. and people crap on him about it. I'm gonna defend him as the first one because <laughs> a well-rounded player is just so much more uh, is so much more worth for a franchise than a guy who's just like has one ability. Right. Yeah, I think there are a lot of young players in this mold that I think wanted to become these kind of star scorers and they are now realizing they're probably better suited for a more complimentary role at least you know grow into that star scoring Mm -hmm. thing that's what jimmy did he made his name on defense and then as the years went on his scoring increased whereas wiggins is kind of the opposite you know he focused entirely on offense whereas like shane battier yeah many years ago as well yeah yeah um and that like a guy like stanley johnson i'm thinking is another example like he focused too much on trying to be his go-to scorer, which he is not meant to oh. do. And, like, you're meant to be this... You're meant to be Shane Battier, basically. Be Shane Battier yeah. and let the game come to you. Uh, and Kawhi. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sarah, any thoughts on Wiggins um, in terms of just, you know, is he worth that max? Uh, what, you know, are you worried that... You know, a a meeting. I think the thing that's uh, at least a little concerning on my end is that like Glenn Taylor had to tell a reporter about it. (laughs) That's that's the thing. I'm not certain that it says anything about Wiggins. I feel like this kind of thing might happen. Sit downs before contract negotiations happen, but we don't always hear about it like that. But but that part is a little strange. Um, 
I guess ideally, you know, if you have a guy like Kawhi who's in there constantly working on every aspect of his game and you know that and you don't have to say anything to him, then maybe this type of thing doesn't need to happen. I guess that's a slight concern, but but I'm not sold on this meaning anything about Wiggins, honestly. Um, it's just, it is weird that it that it was told to us. I'm not sure why we needed to know about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right, well, that will do it for this episode of the NBA Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Just a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all three of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. Check us out on iTunes. Please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We would love any feedback. We're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRagNBA. Until next time, I'm Brian Toporek, and I was joined by Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. Have a good one, you two. Good night, guys. <laughs> good night, Mort. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Are you tired of not earning anything on your hard-earned money? Your path to more money starts with a certificate from Pathways Financial Credit Union. Right now, earn a 2.68% annual percentage yield on a 60-month certificate with a minimum balance of just $500. Great rates like this have helped make Pathways the fastest-growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years. Earn more on your money. Stop by any convenient location or check us out at PathwaysCU.com. Pathways is federally insured by the NCUA.